Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But today I want to help you to understand what normally holds people back. You know, because I, I do believe that, that God has a major plan for all of us. He has a, he has a home that he wants you to have. He, he has an environment he wants you to create. And, and a lot of times we just like, like, I just don't see it. I don't get it. Like, like the taste and see the Lord is good. It's not that I don't believe the Lord's good. Mickey, I just, I haven't tasted it. I haven't seen it. How do I make that be a part of my life? Well, I want to help you today looking through God's people and their journey of what's there. So if you have your Bibles, whether it be paper, online, uh, on the phone, or on a tablet, turn to Deuteronomy. We're going to be in the very first chapter, starting in verse 19, and I will start reading. Then, this is, this is Moses. He he is recounting. He's, he's gotten the Israelites together, and he's kind of doing a summary of what's been going on. You know, he, he's kind of going back, and I'll give you some references later that if you have a paper Bible, you can write it in the margin. But he's going back, and he's, he's recounting things that has already happened just to remind them of what's going on. And listen to what he says. He's talking about this journey to the promised land, to their, to their home, where God wants them to be. He says, then we, talking about the Israelite people, set out from Oreb and went through all the great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. And so he's just letting you know, hey, listen, God has a home for you, and he has commanded us to go there. And we sought out on that journey. And then he keeps going. As we came to Kadesh Barna, And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want to hit a pause button because I want to give you four things that I believe that God would have for us because, because number one, when we read this, we need to understand that, that from the beginning of time, God had a home for his people. There's never been a time, even in the very beginning, he what? He created the garden and it was perfect and they were going to dwell there forever and God dwelt with them in the heat of the day. That's the reason why all of a sudden he comes down in the noon hour and he's like, hey, Adam, where are you guys at? And they're like, uh, we hit ourselves because we was naked. And he goes, well, who told you he was naked? And they're like, oh, <laughs> my bad, the, the apple thing, we ate of that. You know, and all of a sudden he kicked them out of it. But ever since he kicked them out of the garden, you know what he's been doing? He's been preparing a place for us to come home. And with his people in Israel, all this stuff happened. And there's a lot more to the story than I have time to give you. But they had this promised land. And then some different things happened with Joseph, who got thrown in a pit. And then a famine hit. And they went to rescue to go find food. And they find Joseph is still alive. So they end up being in captivity because a Pharaoh comes up. And then next thing you know, they're in slavery with the Egyptians. And now they're getting ready to, to exit and go back to this promised land. And God says, you know what? There's four things. There's four things that are going to have to be a part of your life. Two of them are do's, two of them are don'ts. That if you truly want to have a home that's going to have a lasting impact, if you want to have a life that's life more abundantly, he's like, there's four things I need you to do. And they're right out of God's word. Listen to what he said. The first one is found uh, right there in chapter 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. And then listen to what he says. He's like, go up, go up. If you have a paper Bible, right beside there, a journey, 
Listen to me. This isn't like Jesus Christ is like this lamp in a bottle and woohoo, now give me this. Your life is a journey. You need to know that God's in the process of taking you to that journey through the word obedience. And you're not gonna get there overnight. You've gotta make a commitment. If you're gonna have a house that becomes a home, if you're gonna create a home for people to be a part of, if you're gonna have a legacy in your life, you need to realize that it doesn't happen in one moment at a prayer service where you pray to receive Christ. That's an amazing moment where you move from darkness to light, you move from death to life, you move from unsaved to saved to confession, but that's not the end of the journey. That's actually just the beginning. And I want you to know that what he was telling you, he said, listen, the first thing is if you wanna have everything that I want for you, you gotta be ready to go on a journey. And then the second thing that he tells them is he says, go up. And then he says, take possession. And he was very strong in his words there. It's the aspect of own it. In other words, God has some things for you and you need to know that, that the things that he has for you are for you and for you only. And it's not just you only like you personally and nobody else gets it. There's a lot of things that he has for God's people, but he has a specific plan for your personal life. And the problem is, is listen to me, you need to quit forfeiting it. Like he's letting them know, hey, listen, I need you to go on the journey. And when you get to that journey and you get to those moments where you're in places where I've called you to be, I need you to take possession of what it is I have for you. In other words, fight if you gotta fight, but do whatever you have to do because at the end of the day, you win at all costs. And then he gives them two things to not do. He says, not only go up, not only take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you, but listen as he completes the verse in verse 21. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, the aspect of, of do not fear, be dismayed, it's, it's literally the concept of these are the two things that normally affect us the most on going on a journey or taking a possession of something. You know, when I get up here and talk about, man, I got something for you, and uh, you're like, yeah, let's go. And then all of a sudden you see circumstances and you go, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Or you get dismayed. Now, now I, I, I will humbly admit English is not my strongest suit. Okay, luckily, many years of Greek helped me to learn English, but I'm one of these guys, I'll see it like dismayed, and I'm like, I kind of get an idea, but, but what exactly does that mean? And I just look it up, and here's the definition of dismays. A cause for someone to feel a, a amount of distress or consternation. And here's what I thought. Well, that's a great definition. Now I gotta figure out what that consternation means. Like, I didn't know, what, like, I didn't know that was a word, you know? And so I looked it up and it comes from a Latin word that literally means to lay prostate in terror. Listen to me, to lay prostate in terror. And I thought, hmm. In fact, I'll, I'll give you the definition completely. It says the feeling of anxiety, this is consternation, a feeling of anxiety typically at something unexpected. Now listen to me. The amazing thing here is, is he gives us two words because it's not the things that we know that normally cause us to get off course. It's the things that we weren't planning on, right? It's the unexpected things. It's the things that just seem to blindside us. And we find ourselves, if we're not careful, having fear or being in this consternation or this dismay, where literally we have been gripped 
We are lying prostate. We are paralyzed. Now listen, if you ever get paralyzed, you know what you can't do? You can't go and you can't take possession. Like I believe a lot of people, like what God has for them later on in their life, I, I don't know what it's gonna look like. I, I, don't, I know what God's word says, but I don't know exactly what it's gonna look like. Like when I pass away, I, I know this, I'm not gonna be some little chubby fat being with wings with a harp. That would be hell to me. That would not be heaven, you know. It's floating on a cloud, you know, just me here in my little diaper, you know. You know, that would be heaven for some of you guys, but it would be hell for me, all right? But, it's, but when that happens, I, there's no doubt in my mind that we're gonna get a sense that we've never sensed before. And, and we're gonna realize, you know, like, wow, I, God, why didn't I know I could have had all this? I don't think we're gonna spend a lot of time in that state because I think as soon as we realize we're in the presence with Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, we're gonna be so consumed with him for all the, like, like how long is eternity? Not long enough to sing his praises and to kneel at his feet. But I think there'll be a moment like, man, I wish I'd have known. Like anybody old enough in the room to make this statement? Boy, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have, yeah. I wonder if we're gonna get to heaven and go, man, I, I wish I could talk to them people. If they only knew what they could do, if they wouldn't get paralyzed by their fears and their struggles. If they only knew all that could happen. If they could see the impact. And that's what God was telling them. He actually was telling them through Moses, who's recounting this aspect. And he's saying, listen, I told you four things to do. And then let's continue this amazing account in God's word in verse 22. Then all of you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe. He's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is good land that the Lord our God is giving us. If you have a paper Bible right beside that, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and specifically verses 27 through 33. And that's the biblical account of what he's referencing. It's when he took these 12 men and he sent them over to spy the country and they come back and they bring some of the fruit. And they're like, dude, look at this. Like this stuff is awesome. It's the best of the best. The land that God has for us is not just our land, it's good land. The irony is at the, at the end of chapter 13, it ends with some simple, one simple phrase. But the people that inhabit it make us look like grasshoppers because they are so much bigger. And they couldn't get past what God had for them because of the obstacle in which they saw with the people they were gonna have to fight. Now, I need to chase a real quick rabbit. 
I've done so many years of sports chaplaincy and, and different things, and, and I always get tickled because you have these coaches and you have these players, and, and they always kind of want a little bit of a rah-rah spiel where it's like, you know, the movie Facing the Giants, you know. Oh, we lost, but somebody cheated. Hey, hey, we won the state championship ever, you know, because Jesus loves us. And, and just so you know, I, that's not the approach that I take because, believe it or not, there's people that love Jesus on just about every team. And what I've found in all my years of athletics is this crazy concept. Normally the most athletic, better team wins. It's an amazing concept. The problem is, is most parents think that their child is the most athletic and most talented, but it normally works itself out. But it's one of those things, and because of that, we talk about facing these giants and and combating people as if we've got to conquer something. And I want you to know that's not what this scripture is talking about. This is not the concept of, of wow, this is good, but you have these amazing big people and, and, and we're David and they're Goliath. That's not what it's talking about. In fact, David's story of conquering Goliath is not about a little shepherd boy who was inferior to this major giant. The reality is, is the person that was at the disadvantage in David and Goliath was Goliath. Why? Because God wasn't on his side. See, the person that is in God's will always has the upper hand. If you spend time reading, especially the Old Testament, every time God's people are obedient, no matter what they're facing, they win. But we put on our earthly goggles and say, hey, he's seven foot six, and David's a shepherd boy at 13. All he has is a sling and a rock. He's at a disadvantage. Absolutely not. You give me the person that's in the will of God, and I'll attack a tank with a butter knife. Why? Because that's the advantage. And that's what he's trying to get them to understand. But they don't see it that way. In fact, go to the next verse, because it'll give you a little bit of what happens when you get dismayed or when you get a little bit overwhelmed, because usually what happens is you have doubts and you have questions, right? And so listen to what they say next. And this is verse 26. Yet you would not go up but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you mummered in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying that the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anamite in there. And listen to me, here's what they're saying. Oh, but I know this is what God wants for my life and, and I've seen him do it in everybody else's life, but, but God just hates me. Oh, but God doesn't want that for me. You know, it's amazing how when you start, you allow fear and you allow dismay that immediately we take the reality of some situation and it totally gets warped and we start thinking it's something it's not. Don't raise your hand, please. But have you ever muttered this in your mind? <sighs> I cannot believe this next thing has happened to me. I, if I didn't know any better, I would, I think God's against me. You ever had that thought? Can I give you a little bit of freedom today? That's a lie. God is not ever against you. He's for you no matter what your circumstances are. But it's amazing how when we start looking at the, the opponent rather than the promise, how we get fearful and we get dismayed. 
We stop realizing that the fact that, you know what, God is still calling us in 2022 to go on the journey and take possession. When I talk about home for Christmas, like I wanna encourage you to like, like go and get it. Like don't just try to create it. I'm talking about come hell or high water. Like, it, like when my people come in, they're gonna be like, daddy, this is the best Christmas ever. Not because of something that was underneath the tree, but because of what they came home to. You say, well, I just can't have that at my house. We, we've got disagreements and we've got so-and-so has been fighting for three years and so-and-so hadn't talked for six months. And so listen to me. I want you to know that you have the amazing ability to redefine circumstances. That's what makes you different than everybody else because you have the ability to take possession of what God has for your life. I've loved spending some time with some of you and y'all been so gracious to me and sharing me some of your stories and how God is, is rekindling relationships through this series and you've reached out to different family members and, and you're making things new again and it's like, you know what, this is, this is awesome to kind of rebuild these relationships. Now listen to me, it ain't all butterflies and rainbows. Some people have in their family people that are just, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, goobers. That's the biblical definition that a pastor can use, <laughs> all right? And you say, well, how do I handle that? You just make sure you're not one. Like, you've got to make sure that when everybody else is explaining why you can't have it, that you're very quick and to the point saying, oh, but I just want you to know I can. What makes you think that you can? Because God said, I can. And when he says, I can, then it don't matter what you say that I can't. Scripture tells me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, again, let's go back to athletics. I, oh, I'm going to go win. Nope, nope. Get, I, may I love you and Jesus can do anything, but you, nope, you ain't winning this one. Why? Because this is athletics. But in life... There is no limit. The problem is, is, is we live in such a sports-driven world that we associate everything into these games and we treat life like it's some athletic competition. And what God's saying is you ain't in a competition. You let me tell you why? Because in a competition, you're fighting for whether you win or lose. Life's not a competition. Why? Because there ain't nothing to be decided. You've already won. It's not a competition. It's only a matter of what are you willing to take? And he's saying, I want you to get up and go on your journey, and I want you to go up, and I want you to take possession of all the things that I have for you. My will for you is greater than any opponent that's going to keep you from my will. But yet we don't have that mentality, do we? We have this mentality that they have. Oh, God must hate us. I can't believe he's done this to us. All of this started in Numbers chapter 11. You may tell you what started all this mess. They were going, oh, I remember back when we used to have meat and, and, and eat stuff. Now all we have is manna. You know, manna, the stuff that God created that fell down from the heavens and they picked it up. And they, I mean, I'm like, like I, I mean, like, like that's one of those, like I still want to know what the manna was. Like I, that's the one thing when I get to heaven, I'll be like, can I get a side of manna? Like I want to know what manna was like. But then just to shut him up, he turns around and he, he covers the whole place with quail the next morning. 
just to explain to them, listen, I will meet your needs. But it all started with God's provision. And then all of a sudden they got used to God's provision and it no longer was enough. Anybody ever lived that cycle? You're in the middle of God doing amazing things in your life and maybe you're in the habit of doing some things that help you to grow in God's word and, and prayer and, and different things and, and, and you don't even know what happened, but all of a sudden, and, it, and it's so crazy to think about it, all of a sudden we get used to God's presence and his provision that we actually start taking it for granted. And God's saying, listen, I still have more. Let me give you some encouragement. It's what Moses responds. Moses, then, this is verse 29. Then I said to you, this is Moses speaking. Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you with him, will himself fight for you. He's referring to, the, to what they're looking at, the people that are holding them back from, from conquering or having their land. And he's telling them, don't be afraid, don't worry, don't be in dread. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Then listen to verse 32. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents, and fire by night, and in the cloud by day, to show you by what way you should go. See, Moses is recounting for them where they've been. He's letting them know the hand of God and how they've seen it. And he's saying, he's, he will fight for you. You've seen him do it before. He will guide you. You've seen him do it before. He's recounting what's in the past because one of our phrases we say around here a lot of times, if we will remember what God did in the past, we'll understand what he's gonna do in the present and the future. Because I believe that if God done it in the past, if we're obedient like the people were in the past, he'll do it again in the future. That's the reason why we believe that, that, that people having health issues, that they can have a touch from the Lord and that God can touch and miraculously save them. You say, what gives you the right to see that? Well, because I've seen it. I've seen people that had struggles. And so all of a sudden in my life, when I start hitting tough times, I have to remember what God has done so that I can see what he's going to do. I just got to make sure that I'm being obedient so that he can do what he's called to do. And I believe that's where a lot of us sit. I believe we sit there and we start to get dismayed. We start to get overwhelmed. We start to get afraid. We start wanting things that are bigger than ourselves. And then we start thinking about circumstances. And oh, but Mickey, you don't understand. There was a time in my life where I did this or I did that or I've been previously married. Listen, there ain't nothing you've done, nothing you're going to do to make God love you less or him to take the hand off of blessings for you. If you will be obedient to what he's called you to do, I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm talking about God's word. If you will be obedient obedience is the vehicle of God's blessing. If you will learn to be obedient, you will be shocked at how much God just opens up his floodgates in every aspect of your life. Why? Because he likes to bless obedient people. The amazing thing about God is, is he's so gracious, he even blesses disobedience. You say, prove it. We're all in this room together. And none of us know how we even got here. 
But if we can grow together, get in his word together, be obedient together, he has something more for us. But let me tell you the, the thing that hit me the most is the aspect of the fact that despite all this, they still didn't believe. You know, every time we get around the Christmas season, that, that word believe always starts resonating in my soul. Because I don't know if there's a month that's centered around belief more than Christmas. And you think about different people, and, and I'm going to be real careful in the room, but, you know, this will be the first year in many years that there's a certain belief that's not going to be a part of the Clark household that's always been there with the previous kids and their age and their being young. It's amazing when they see evidence what they'll believe in. So the question that I have for you is, talking about being home for Christmas, I want you to show people evidence that there's a God that's changed your life. There's a Jesus that you've submitted and bowed a knee and confessed with your mouth and accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And y'all didn't get dismayed or, or overwhelmed. In fact, if we close out this biblical account, it's very important. Listen to these verses. I'm gonna read verse 34 and 35. And the Lord heard your words and was angry, and he swore, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. Not a one of you. God gets so frustrated with the way that they've been, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And because of their disbelief, he says, none of you are gonna see this land. I'm, it's gonna take another generation. In fact, if you drop down two verses, Moses even said, because of my disobedience, I even I am not gonna be able to see the promised land. You say, well, what did Moses do? He got angry and struck a rock. The way that he struck a rock, you can go out and research it, but the way that he struck the rock asking for water, he did it out of anger, and God said, oh, well, because of your anger, you're not gonna see the promised land. Listen to me. I want you to know that the heartbeat behind this theme of home for Christmas is the importance of not just this generation, but many generations to come. Like if you don't take the time to create this aspect of a home and that Jesus is the center of this home and you don't pour into your children and your grandchildren, like literally there may be a generation that's lost and it's too important because to be honest with you, I don't know how many generations are left but it all centered around this aspect of belief. And I wanna close by, by literally looking at two more scriptures. Because see, if we go back and, and we read verse 36, he talks about this whole generation that's not gonna get anything, but listen to verse 36. He says, not one of these men, this is starting in verse 35, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land, and I swore to give to your fathers. And then listen to verse 36. Except Caleb, he shall see it. And to him and his children, I will give the land on which I was trodden because he has wholly 
follow the Lord. I'm gonna read for you, you're not gonna see it on the screen. You say, well, what in the world did Caleb do? What was so different? Like, like I wanna be a Caleb. Well, when he sent these 12 spies out and they come back and they're talking about this good fruit, then all of a sudden they start talking about all these different things and they're getting fearful and talking about how we look like grasshoppers. Listen to what Caleb's response was. Caleb's response, and this is Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, if you wanna reference it. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, the stance in which you take, understanding that God's on your side, will dictate the difference if you get home or not. In fact, here's the way it says in James. James, the very end, chapter two, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you wanna know why we help with the empty stocking fund, why we're so big on being in our community, why we're so big on helping people, it's because of that scripture right there. If somebody comes in there in need and they need clothing or they need food, what good is it gonna say, well, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. And they're like, well, that's awesome, but what am I gonna eat? Well, I'm gonna pray for you, well, that's awesome, but it's raining and I don't have any clothes and I'm freezing. So we've made a conscious effort to say, you know, we're gonna meet the needs to the best of our ability. Why? Because we also wanna meet a spiritual need. And I believe what this is talking about is where all of us are sitting. I believe home for the holidays, home for Christmas is very simple. It's us moving forward from a belief and a faith to putting actions to it. Now, there's so many people that'll misconstrue James chapter two. And they say, see there, a relationship with Jesus, you gotta work your way. No, salvation is a 100% act of God. Not of any works of you that any man should boast. We don't work to have faith. We have faith, and because of it, it causes us to work. And I believe that's where some of us, including myself, need to really hone in over the next two weeks. Like it's time to go to work. Like I don't know if you realize this, but Christmas is amazing. But if you want to create something that is contagious, it's going to take some work. And I'm not talking about making the perfect meal. I'm not talking about decorating the house. I'm not talking about shopping and wrapping gifts. I'm talking about personal preparation that puts you in a spirit that no matter what your sister says this visiting year, you're not going to let it hit your button that no matter how somebody responds to the gift that you thought was the perfect gift, you're not gonna let them put you back in that bad place. That no matter how people respond, you are going to be life-giving and say, you know what? I'm no longer gonna let people of this world steal things of heaven. 
you can't steal my peace. You can't steal my joy. You can't steal my love. I'm not going to let things of this earth steal things that are of heaven. And I'm going to make sure the things of heaven are very much a part of things on this earth. You see, Mickey, what, what's, what's usually the struggle? The biggest struggle is love. Like, I'm going to pull on you really hard here at the end. Listen to me. Just like you can't let things of this world steal things of heaven, guess what? You can't decide what things of heaven apply to your life and what things don't. Like when it comes to God's word, which is one thing that God gave us that's eternal, it's literally the word of God inspired by him. We all have to move in accepting the whole thing. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.